0: Vn. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Filling in for Susan Littlefield, I'm Chad Moyer. Today we're joined by Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, thanks for joining us again uh, here today. First of all, let's just get a, a kind of a general overview of the market feel here today. Uh, if you look at yes. the uh, settlements here, we got corn, uh, old crop down a penny or three. New crop looks like it was just a little higher. Soybeans were up three to five, and uh, Kansas City wheat looks like it was down uh, what, four to eight cents, give or take? Uh, what was the feeling of the market here on a Tuesday? What what sort of feeling did you get, Mike?
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing to maybe talk about today, Chad. Thanks for having me on, by the way. I think the the issue coming back from Thanksgiving is one that has been focused around that COVID lockdown, the, the issues with the policy, and then after a, a pretty substantial fire in an area of China where there was a strong lockdown, the reaction by the central government of china after protests broke out and so it made sense coming back from the holiday weekend that we would have a break to the downside that there'd be a risk off trade commodities leading the way soft red wheat leading the way and crude oil and copper and hogs leading the way not so much soybeans because they have more of a weather supportive feature and a lot of chatter in the market right now about the jet aviation fuel in that biodiesel program that's going to target specifically aviation, clean aviation fuel. But I I think that's where I could take yesterday's trade and the break to the downside. But today I was disappointed with the price action because we started higher. The crude oil led the gains. They did hold on to most of their gains during the day, but we saw – The crude oil kind of break away and go back towards the middle of the range. We saw the dollar come back and stabilize, and then we started to see the wheat leak and the hard red wheat especially. And that's that's the hardest thing to take on here, Chad, other than the spreading that we've seen over the last couple months of buying hard red wheat and selling soft red wheat. We have really very little precipitation on the way Uh, in this uh, hard red wheat belt in the next 10 days. And I'm wondering if the trade's not trying to move away from the weather market and hard red wheat and the weather market and Argentine wheat and maybe move towards more of a demand fear, an overall demand fear. And I think that's why it's really critical that we try and get back this risk on trade uh, as we close out the month of November.
0: Well, let's stick with wheat for just a moment. Uh, you know, what? what is the supply situation around the world? Uh, are, are we going to get some more wheat out of the Black Sea region? Uh, what about production in South America or Australia? Is is that threatened at this point?
1: The, the situation with the Black Sea is a mixed bag. They are down from last year, still about 30% from their export pace. Um, they have, however, been able to get more ships on the water albeit not any better, and in some days it's worse than before Russia said they weren't going to extend the grain initiative. So, in fact, today Bloomberg has come out with a story suggesting that Ukraine and their leaders are going to try and put larger ships on the Black Sea because Russia is slow-rolling inspections. So that's the the more bullish side of the equation, along with the fact that the European Union, their year-to-date exports on soft wheat are up about 3% versus last year at this time. And I think that's compared to the, the downside of the more negative, bearish mindset is the trade is seeing increased Ukrainian corn sales into Europe. Uh, They're seeing more Russian business than they'd like to see. Uh, In fact, the recent tender, I believe it was from Turkey. Um, It sounds like either uh, Russia or Ukraine are going to get pretty much all of that half a million metric ton tender uh, in in kind of a, a tender that was more or less a private deal, if you ask me.
0: Mm-hmm. Is the drought in Argentina, is that going to bring the wheat crop down enough worldwide? As, how are things looking in Australia?
1: Yeah, I think the Australian crop is coming along with harvest. They probably have harvested their best crops because they've been able to get into the crops that did not get the excess rains. And so I would look for the, the above average crop to remain Uh, Maybe a quality issue in uh, Australia as we go forward, but kind of like the hard red wheat here in this country, Chad, I feel like that the market is maybe trying to walk past or whistle past the graveyard when it comes to the Argentina crop because it's just too late for the Argentine crop, and we'll see what USDA says on their last crop update on the conditions here this afternoon uh, by the the USDA crop progress report. Um, but I kind of feel like that the trade is kind of whistling past the graveyard there as well with conditions unlikely to really improve much. And I think the bigger picture issue comes back to why would the trade be going down at this point? And if the COVID restrictions were being eased, I think the trade maybe is starting to get into a mindset that we're coming off a 2008 type high, we're coming off a 2012 type high in 2009 and 2013 were not good years for the wheat. They, you know, It was pretty much a generally lower market all the way through.
0: Yep. Alright, let's talk about corn here. We've got a minute left in our first segment here. Uh, on corn, uh, boy, just a, a, a tremendously low amount of volatility by the looks of it. The ranges were so small today. Is there anything to take away from that, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think the corn would be pulled lower with the wheat were it not for the soybeans. And the weather in South America and the the soybean uh, uh, price action based upon the currency markets. The Brazilian real was stronger today. That helped the soybeans quite a bit. But Argentina's soy dollar that they've reinstituted has already reportedly started to trigger some farmer sales of soybeans. So if we lose both the wheat and the soybeans, I think the corn could be open to the downside. And that's why I think as we get into the first of the month, we need that wheat low to be put in place.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Again, we've been visiting with Mike Zuzolo from Global Commodity Analytics. He joins us today on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Uh, That's segment one, though. We have a second half of the program coming up here in just a few minutes. We'll talk about what's uh, the the soy complex. uh, That was uh, some of the trade going on in there today. We also have a look to South America, some logistics, and what happened in livestock as well. So that's all coming up in the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Stay tuned. Part two is coming your way in just a few moments.
1: Fontenelle Hybrids delivers proven performance year after year. In farmer managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top yielding corn products had over a nine bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 74% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stuff.
0: RVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer with you once again with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Uh, Mike, we didn't talk about soybeans in the first half of the, uh, of the program today. Uh, Kind of interesting yesterday, uh, universally, uh, all segments, uh, the beans, the oil, the meal, all universally higher yesterday was more mixed today what was the feeling in the soybean pits do you think
1: yeah i think the pits were mainly thinking on monday's trade about spreading and feeling like between the weather in brazil center-west brazil is where we want to focus on as we get into december especially chad because that's going to make or break i think that one forty five to one fifty production number that the trade is really starting to buy into because planting is now, as of about two days ago, 87% in Brazil. This is AgRal reporting this, and uh, that compares to 90% a year ago. So they're on track for a 150 crop because of the increase of 4% on their acreage base, but they're a long way from getting that kind of a crop size if the center-west area stays dry. Southern Brazil is looking wetter. So we've got three factors here, I think, that are really key to the soybeans. Not only the South American weather, the the South American currency, and also what's going on with the uh, Argentine soy dollar, and and the fact that Argentina is going to come back on the export market. And so I think the beans are kind of running out of runway to get new buyers into the market, especially if the weather starts to turn better, the dollar starts to firm, and all of a sudden Argentina starts to come on board. And I think the, the big move up in this market or the support in this market has been this aviation fuel mindset for biodiesel. But I think we've been trading that long enough. We've probably got most of the longs in this place now, in this in this uh, spot now in this space. So my take on the beans is that if you want to get beans to go higher now, you really do need the wheat and the corn to come in and support and underpin this market.
0: Mike, that soy, that Argentine soy dollar program, uh, how big of a wild card could that be? I mean, does the trade think it's going to do or, or act like it did the first one earlier this year, or is there a potential surprise there?
1: They they think it is, and in the first day, it does look like their volumes on soybean export sales and farmer selling is about three times normal from what I picked up on the close chat But I'm, I'm skeptical that that's going to hold because of the drought that's going on. And I think you need more rains in the pompous regions of Argentina to get farmers to let go of more old crop soybeans. It's kind of like what we're facing in Kansas and Nebraska. You're holding on much more dearly to your old crop corn and beans ahead of 23 because you've got a drought, you know, staring you in the face still.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Let's switch gears and go over to the livestock side of things and, and kind of recap there. Uh, live cattle, feeder cattle, for the most part, higher. Hogs looks like they were a little lower on the front end. Uh, on the mercantile, uh, what were the items in play there today, Mike?
1: You know, more of the same when it comes to the hogs. I think the hogs are very similar to the wheat and the crude oil market. They wanted to try and bounce today but didn't get a very good job done of it because they were one of the leaders to the downside uh, on Monday's trade. And in what we now have, Chad, is a... a cash index price that's running around $85 versus the December futures that's trading around 81 And that cash index is being propped up by a pretty nice cutout value for the pork side. So I feel like that you're in a situation where you need to get something um, in, in terms of cash market stabilization that could draw some short covering in the hog market because the futures discount. Uh, in the cattle market, it's probably more about the seasonals and going into how we're doing for the Christmas seasonal. Because it doesn't look like we did that great last weekend. Not a surprise, because it is Thanksgiving after all. But the USGS Beef Retail Report brought a featuring number in of 6% lower than the prior week and an activity index for, for grocery stores uh, down about 4%. So that's something to really, really watch here, um, because we only have a couple more big seasonal buys before the holiday seasonals is over with.
0: Yeah, and maybe you could expand on that a little bit more just so that we have our footing. What do the meat seasonals kind of look like this time of year?
1: Well, this year because of the avian flu and you know Nebraska had another big outbreak over the weekend, and I believe a 1.8 million birds were called because of that, but you're seeing I think a a, a tighter number of turkeys especially and to a lesser degree egg-laying hens. Um, and that's creating, I think, a supportive feature for the ham market, the pork market, the beef roast market. And I want to see how what kind of legs those uh, those cuts have specifically because of the avian flu. But when you look at the retail numbers for beef, um, retail prices off the consumer price index that came out a week or so ago, we're still up at about seven forty 740, seven dollars and forty two cents a pound on choice average prices. That's only six percent lower. Than last year's record price in October, and so uh, we really need to see the beef prices come down some more. I think to keep that competitive edge that we need to keep after these seasonals run their course.
0: All right, Mike. Unfortunately, we're at the end of the program for today. Give us your contact information if folks would like to follow along with you. How can they do that? Best
1: way is to go to the website globalcomresearch dot com. That's globalcom with two m's research dot com. Otherwise, uh, give me a call at eight six six four seven one. 2588.
0: Thank you so much, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics on today's program. Again, a reminder to you that trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealers. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad.